Why are you just so? We are talking about the you talking about the Apple deal? Yes, with with Apple basically controlling all of the MLS broadcasting, we're going to lose local broadcasts. Not necessarily. Mark Followell's not going to be broadcasting FC Dallas games going forward. I love it. Well, we lost that one. So, but there have been others who have who have stayed on and have kept going with Apple. So they are being. I think responsible in that regard. Yeah, and I mean, if there's one place to go to watch MLS games as opposed to having to find it on whatever, then I think more people are going to watch. That's it. true too. It's I'm excited about. Watch. I'm excited about the fact that even though there will be national games, <clears throat> as long as I have the subscription, I can watch whatever I want to watch whenever I want to watch. Yeah, it, which is very rare uh, in sports I, broadcasting. Thank God, thank God, my wife has Apple Apple TV. <clears throat> so I don't think you need. I don't think you have to have an Apple TV subscription in order to to access the MLS content. I think you you have to have the MLS subscription. But my understanding is that you could get that regardless if you pay whatever it is a month for the Apple TV content. So, but you but you access it through Apple TV is my okay. understanding. Yeah. So I don't think you oh, it's you need be so confusing. Uh, not really. You just get the Apple because you can download the app, and then I think you just access it through the app. And then they're hoping okay, so that by by being there, you're just like, oh, what's another $5 or whatever for, for Apple TV? Well, my wife already pays for Apple TV, there so I'll be using that via her. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited because, thought, I'm, I'm excited for, for their their – because they're going to structure it in a way that's like these games kick off here. These games kick off, and, and so on and so forth. That's cool. So they're doing it. They're doing it with like like the blocking system, like yes. how they, like most most leagues do it. You have one early morning match, then like or whatever time they have like one early match, then like a slate of games that are on simultaneously, and then like a a night kick. I think um, it's more East Coast Central Coast. Time, Mountain okay. Time, West Coast Time. Is my yeah, is sort of structured like that? I think more than, but it is. Yeah, it's going to be kind of like every Sunday when you're watching NFL, you know that you're going to have this set of games that comes on at one o'clock Eastern time. Then you yeah. know you're going to have you know a four twenty five or four fifteen set of kickoffs um, Eastern time, and then you're going to have your national broadcasts that are Sunday episodes. So, but the only difference is. All of those games that go on at that time, you can watch if you want to, regardless of where you are, which is which is pretty cool. And they're also going to yeah. use announcers on a regional basis. So um, rather than having like announcing teams that kind of travel, yeah, with broadcasts, they're going to have like a Pacific Northwest team that calls like Timbers and Sounders games and stuff like that. So and, um, I don't mind that. Don't forget white. Yes, in the white caps. So yeah, it's it'll Canada. be it's Canada. Be able... You can forget the white caps. Yeah, will be a little bit more. Wow. Um, as far as I know, I according to our logistics, we do not have any Canadian listeners. Listeners, so I think I'm okay. As, as, as long as we, as long as Apple TV uh, makes it to where there is less Stu Holden and Taylor Twelman <laughs> in my soccer life, I'll be happy. Isn't Twelman? I think he joined them. He's not at ESPN anymore. Oh yeah, God! I know. Yeah. Yeah, he's calling. Where is he? Yeah. Damn it! Taylor Twelman is going to be one of the 
Yeah, it's going to be one of the the people in their MLS season pass. See, I don't, I, oh, I don't mind Taylor Twelman in MLS. Oh, he's he's good there. That's his home, so he's he's okay there. I and I I listen to him there. It's when they take him and put him on like an FA Cup game or. You know, a League Cup game and things like that, and it's just like he—he obviously is out of place. He doesn't know what he's talking about, so that's annoying. But I don't mind him in MLS. He's got some knowledge there. He's a little—he's a little over the top sometimes, but that's okay. So was Gus Johnson. So, so I don't—I don't mind that. I—I I think it'd be neat to have Taylor Twelman calling Revolution, New England Revolution games every weekend or so. Like have him be one of the northeastern correspondents, wherever they're going to do that. So, very exciting. Um, uh, boys. Oh yeah, yeah. Welcome along, everybody, to uh, to we ate all the pies. Uh, sorry about last week. I was not feeling great. Um, I woke up. I I took two COVID tests. They were both negative. So that's good. I was afraid it's the throat. Whenever the throat starts to hurt, you're just like, oh no, here here it comes. But so far, as far as I know, I am COVID-free throughout this entire pandemic, which I, I, it's not a badge that I would wear publicly, but I, it is kind of weird. Um, so we're, we're back this week. The good news is a lot of the topics that I had last week um, kind of translate over to this week. So um, we just had to change up, up a few things. Um we have got uh, it's an FA Cup weekend this weekend, so we'll we'll certainly be previewing that um, and going over the latest to happen in the Premier League, including uh, a very very famous win uh, for uh, for Fulham. Caleb, that uh, that night we haven't had a chance to talk about the uh, the the big the big win over your 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 West London big brothers there, which was nice. Yeah. That was uh, that was historic and pretty <laughs> lovely to see, and um, we're we're I'm happy to talk about that one. Yeah, yeah. First time since uh... the last few ones, but definitely, <laughs> definitely that one. That's why I kept we it. We play again soon. We play again soon, so hopefully we can repeat. Yes, yes. Uh, February the third. So when when the Premier League comes back, not this, not this weekend, but next weekend, uh, we'll get another West London derby there. Um, <clears throat> but I want to start with. I got a question. Guys. Oh, okay. I want to start with the question from Jordan. Which, by yes, the way, Jordan. Uh, uh, thank you for not introducing me, Adam. I mean, I just assume everyone knows who I am. They heard the cold um, open. Hey, Caleb. Um, if uh, if Fulham beats Chelsea for the second time, will they have officially clinched the Cockney Cup? Because I think I think we, <laughs> yeah. as a podcast, need to bring that back. As long as Fulham is going to be at the, uh, be uh, be uh, in, uh, in the Premier League i think we need to have the cockney cup as something we track well if that'd, it's, be, that'd be pretty funny if it's the cockney cup uh, and and it were i mean at this point i think west ham would be the holders because we beat fulham as controversial okay. as that was because well because cockneys are, are east london right 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 so so I mean, if as long as, but I mean, I, I then I would think if if Fulham were to were to come back, because we play you guys again, if they come back and beat us, then then you probably would would take it home with you. I, I think West London. That's the, the rule. Uh, charcuterie cup. That's the, I think is, the, <laughs> is the one that we fight for. The 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 the, the investment. Cup. It's the the investment uh, the investment banking cup. It's the it's yeah. the London Grad Cup, or at least it used to be. Fulham fans have embraced our reputation as a slightly hoity-toity, so we 
we're known to known to enjoy our matches with cheese boards. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, if we beat we beat Brentford once, we if we beat Chelsea twice and we play Brentford again pretty quickly, I mean, we could cement ourselves as kings of West London, um, at least out of West London t- teams. Um, despite I think every I think Newcastle's beaten every West London team so far this year. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that would be a, it'd be a nice, uh, it would be pretty, pretty special. Um, I mean, obviously the last time we beat Chelsea was a long, long, long time ago. It was back in uh, March of 2006. And the last time we beat Chelsea back to back, let's see, would have been, I don't know about back to back, but I think the last time at Stamford bridge was like in the seventies. Yeah, and I, I'm looking back at I'm looking back at matches that go back to the late '40s, and I don't see back-to-back full wins. So I mean, we're talking about something that our parents would have never seen. <laughs> um, I did enjoy though, because I'm pretty sure, because like you say, you know, the Fulham fans are, are they're they're not known as being the rowdiest bunch, but I did see we are a family club. Adam. Yeah, I did see. Um, after the after the Chelsea win, I think there was some of it as part of the celebrations. It was fun to see the fans singing along to uh, "Freed from Desire" by, uh, by I think Gaia. I don't know. It's an it's a very old '90s style like club song, and you'll hear it a lot. And and it's it's we've all heard it. I, I promise you. But uh, that was nice to see. It was it was good times. It's still good times at Fulham, even the, just despite the uh, the recent results. So yeah, we'll we'll keep track of that uh, the Cockney Cup. We'll go back. We'll have to we'll have to to get the points together and, and see if we can't figure that out. Um, uh, speaking of uh, London uh, football teams, let's talk about Arsenal for a minute. I think I think we need to talk about Arsenal. It's the elephant in the room. Um, they are now five points clear at the top, uh, thanks to their win against Manchester United this weekend. When they beat uh, Tottenham, I think uh, I think at one point they were eight points clear at the top of the Premier League table. Um, and this was before City had uh, a game to make up, and so they, they they made that game up. Actually, well, City have played an extra game now, so Arsenal are five points up and with a game in hand. So, I mean, they could be eight points up um, once they get that one done. Um, I mean, Arteta's clearly got this team firing on all cylinders the system is working perfectly. Everybody is playing almost flawlessly. Um, and it seems like nothing short of the injury crisis to define all injury crises. Unless they get that, I, there's nothing looks like it's going to stop them. And yet, it, it doesn't feel like they're being treated like eventual champions. I mean, let me, let me put it this way. If... If Manchester City were eight points clear at this stage in the season, in fact, I think they were exactly that last year at one point um, before things tightened up. If they were in the same position that Arsenal's in right now, people would already be calling them champions. And they'd be saying, this is, there's no way this team is going to slip up. They've got it. You know, This basically is in the bag. You know, It's a long season, yes, but I don't see how there's any way they're going to slip up now. I don't see how there's any way Arsenal's going to slip up at this point. They they just keep finding ways to win, uh, which I think is is super important and one of those things that that you know it's one of the things that I think it's a cliche, but the coaches talk about it as one of the intangibles. You can just find a way to win. So, what's 
I mean, is it unfair that Arsenal aren't really being treated like that by the British media, by any any media stretch of the imagination? And is there anybody here willing to say Arsenal are my odds-on favorites to win the title right now? And why or why not? I I want to I want to dive into this. What's what's going on with our our feelings toward Arsenal? Um. <clears throat> so off the top of my bat, off the top of the bat, um, I would say that Arsenal as of right now, is not the odds-on favorite. But why? Just just because they have two matches to play against Manchester City. That's the only reason. Yes, they are five points ahead with a game in hand, potentially. But that's what, but that's what that is. That's potential. They still have six points against Manchester City they got to play for. So, Come back after the first match. If they win the first match against Manchester City and still have a game in hand, and now that now uh, you know the gap is eight, different story. But for for right now, it's too soon for me to say that they are the clear odds-on favorite. Um, I will say yes that they are being uh, harshly done by the media. You know, and not hyping up this team because they're, I mean, they are playing incredible. Uh, I didn't catch the full match, but I did watch like the last 20 minutes and, uh, and including stoppage time. And Arsenal looked like the team that wanted to win it. Manchester United just kind of set back and took what Arsenal was given to it, was giving to them, which was a lot of possession and a lot of dangerous passes, uh, you know, coming in from the, coming in from both wings. Um, I think the only reason why Arsenal is not getting the love, though, is the is the club's decade and a half history. Because they're you know uh, in the in the time since they last won the Premier League, uh, the, you know Robin Robin Van Persie has you know has had his career at Arsenal and then leave and you know and win a title with Manchester United and then, you know, finish, you know, retire, uh, Cesc Fabregas, um, you know, left Arsenal, went to Barcelona, then came back to Chelsea. So they've had a generation plus of players who played through their primes at Arsenal without winning the Premier League. So I, I, I really think it's just that their recent history is the only reason why they are not, you know, getting the, the, the plaudits that they should right now because they are playing incredible. Um, it, but it, I just I, and I wonder. You make a point about City because obviously they've, you know, like I said, they were in a position where I think everybody thought they were going to win it last year. At this time, they did. You know, that that gap narrowed, and we ended up with the with the dramatic final day. But they did end up still winning it. So it's clear that City are a team that know how to win titles. Obviously, Pep is a manager who knows how to win titles. However, I mean, I just don't. They're lights out at the moment. I mean, that it's it's kind of like you mentioned. You know, yes, United kind of sat back, but I think there was just this prevailing feeling during their match against Manchester United that. If any team is going to win this, it's going to be Arsenal. Like they 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 are finding ways to get more out of all of these matches right now, as opposed to holding on for what they can get. It's it's we're getting this 
and we're doing that. And they've been doing that since August. I mean, it's it's pretty much been just straight, uh, just, I mean, to use a tennis term, the Australian Open is on. It's pretty much been straight, set, straight sets play from Arsenal at this point. I mean, they've just been tackling everybody pretty easily. I like the point about City. I think those Can matches are those yeah. matches the matches with City are going to be are going to be fun to watch. Um but I just don't I mean I've seen City stumble even with Holland. I've seen them stumble far more times this season than I have seen Arsenal stumble. Adam, can I ask you a little side question real quick? Uh you know, we talked about, you know, you, you mentioned Arsenal's, you know, you know, straight sets style of play and how they've just been lights out the entirety of the season so far. And I kind of noticed it. At, I noticed it at the end of the match. They have a feel of inevitability around them. Yeah. That well, no matter of. what. So, but no one's does, treating him like does, that. Does that kind of remind you? Does that kind of remind you of honestly, probably one of the last sides to have that feel of inevitability? Uh, a Ferguson led Manchester United side. I think there have been times during, in between that, since Ferguson has retired, that there have been other. Like, I mean, I think I think for most of last season, it, we all felt it was inevitable that City were going to win. You know, I think there have been some seasons, um, particularly the, their first season under Antonio Conte, where we we just felt like Chelsea. It was it was Chelsea's title, like they were going to win it. There's no there's no question. So I don't know if it's the last time, but I agree. I think there is a feeling of, of inevitability if you really stop and take a look at Arsenal. But I just don't feel like anybody's treating them like that. Um, at, okay, at, at the maybe let me qualify my feel of inevitability. Um, I would say a joyous inevitability because they play with such intensity and you know, you know, attacking spirit. Whereas when I watched City play, like when we all, when we watched all we, when we watched City last year, the inevitability was almost like a crushing inevitability because they're just going to pass through you and you know tap it into the tap it into the goal kind of inevitability. Inevitability. Yeah. There wasn't like a joy de vrie that I kind of feel like this Arsenal side has. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a this is the the machine doing its thing and, and, and the machine will prevail. Whereas with Arsenal, it's look at this, this spirited group. And by the way, all of this pains me because I think Ars- I don't, don't, I do not like Mikel Arteta. I think he's a whiny little something or another. And I think their fan base is incredibly entitled. However, this season, I think they are entitled to feel like they are, they are top dogs because they're sitting up there and they're feeling, and they're, they're looking good. Um, so it does pay me to say this, but I mean, they, they have a, that, look of a spirited fun we're going to go and win this thing kind of team and i think they're they're i agree i think it's the pedigree of the teams that are below them that are sort of overshadowing them right now and preventing people from saying this is the team to beat look at them go whereas i think if it were reversed and city were up there people would be like oh there's no chance that's going to happen um caleb let me. I mean, put it to you this way: If Arsenal do fail to win the league from this position, would you be surprised? And where do you think that that failure might come from? What the source of that failure might be? Be it injuries or youth or or anything? Or or I mean, would it be just a total shock if Arsenal don't win the title by now? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jordan's right in kind of pinpointing that their, rec- the, their recent seasons, I mean, really for the past, you know, 15 seasons, the their lack of success in terms of winning the Premier League is maybe why folks go, oh, maybe they can't do it. I mean, I at the beginning of the season, I thought they might even finish outside the top six, which I sounds like blasphemy now, but... Yeah. You know, just the way they were playing last season, it seemed like they needed one more year for their younger players to kind of get more consistent. And I thought that the World Cup would be disruptive, particularly for the younger players. But, you know, the opposite is true. It seems like the World Cup has maybe focused um, players a little bit more. And you've definitely seen folks like Kai Osaka and Martin Odegaard, like, really step into some leadership positions that were vacated last season um, and do so in really a tremendous way. And Arsenal has... Um, you know, they, they filled in some of their gaps um, in the January transfer window. Um, they've got depth. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things where I think everyone kind of assumes they're going to stumble at some point, and they haven't done so yet. And so, to your point, uh, when do we collectively, as, you know, English football fans go, all right, I mean, they are the favorites. And I think, I mean, we're almost done with January. And like you said, they've, they've got a pretty clear-cut win, a pretty clear-cut lead so yeah i think they are the odds on favorite it's always tough when you have a team of manchester city's quality and their pedigree and their experience in actually winning this thing kind of in second you know you have a feeling that they're ready to pounce and all it'll take is a few slip-ups and to answer your question the 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 thing that could that could derail this arsenal side is a they wake up and realize that they're arsenal and you know (laughs) lose lose a couple matches um B, you know, injuries to key players can obviously always derail things. And then C, you know, they brought in a couple of players. And it's, you know, if you bring in, you know, That's there's a true. reason why yeah. Leandro Trossard was available. You know, you, if you upset some of the chemistry and the balance and, and you kind of disrupt what you have going, then, you know, maybe you drop a few points here or there and City just goes on a tear and catches up. You know, you need something like that to happen. But they're clearly the favorites, I would say. We'll get a preview of uh, of what those league matchups with City will look like this weekend because our, our FA Cup fourth round starts out with Manchester City hosting Arsenal. Uh, that's on Friday. Uh, we'll, we'll include that in a full preview of the FA Cup action. Um, by the way, Jordan, you mentioned Cesc Fabregas. Do you happen to know... So, yeah, so he, he left... Man, when did he leave? I want to say he left around 2010 from Arsenal to go to to Barcelona. After that, obviously, he went up back at Chelsea. Do you know where he's playing now? He's still playing. It's 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 okay. it's, it's, a, it's a weird it's a weird one. All right, I'm uh, I'm gonna go Turkey. I'm gonna go Tryon Baspor. Traps on Spore. That's a good guess. That's a really really good guess. No, um, actually, it's worse than that. So he he left when he left Chelsea. He actually went to AS Monaco and played for a little while. Ah! But now he has left AS Monaco and he is at Como 1907. It is a Italian oh, so Serie B side in Como in, in, on Lake yep. Como. Yep. <laughs> How Cesc Fabregas of him? He's like, I'm going to spend my last season on He's- Lake. Fucking come! He's got his feet. He's got his feet up in in, in Lombardy. So yeah. Does, does he see? Does, does he see clues? <laughs> does he see clues there? 
Is that is that why? Like I guess you, I saw uh, Gussie Clooney. See my boy Clooney. Maybe they. Uh, maybe they. <laughs> maybe they hang out at uh, at, at each other's houses there. Um, that's funny. So yeah, nineteen oh seven Como. That's where. Uh, that's where Cesc Fabregas finds himself. Um, speaking of real quick, and we'll we'll kind of go through this. I don't know if how much time I want to I want to spend on this because. I have a theory about life, which is that you never go back. You always stick to your guns and you keep going forward. However, we did make some predictions um, ahead of this season. And some of them are working out pretty well, I think. Um, some of them not so much. So I want to I take a chance to just kind of revisit that and, and amend some feelings that we had at the beginning of the season. Um, starting with the title race, we all had Liverpool and City finishing one and two. Um, obviously, that is not going to happen. Um, for example, Jordan, you and I had Liverpool winning the title, which uh, I don't think is, I don't think is quite going to happen this year, unfortunately for us. Um, uh, but Caleb, you, you had city winning the title. Um, I think we had, let's see, we had Tottenham um, in and around the top, the, the top there. I think we had, Jordan, you had Newcastle in sixth. Um, we had Aston Villa up there. Any anybody want to want to amend uh, their their predictions here and 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 give their thoughts now on who they think might be the champions come come the end of uh, uh, come the end of this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I mean, I think Arsenal. At number one makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think City number two makes a lot of sense, and then I think the the other, you know, the other four. I think we're probably going to have a mix of Manchester United, Newcastle, Tottenham, and Liverpool. I mean, I think those are really the teams they're going to be kind of battling for those European spots. Yeah, um, would be my assumption. Yeah, I want to. I just want to point. I did have Chelsea in sixth, so I did. I did. I did say they were going to struggle, but I didn't think they were going to struggle this bad. Um. Caleb, you had Fulham getting relegated. I don't think that's I gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Now, I will say that I had them being relegated um, if they, as the squad had was currently constructed when we made our predictions, and they went out and signed a bunch of um, well, they good signed players. several good players, and other players got healthy. So yeah, no, Fulham's definitely gonna stay up. Um, you know, I don't think we've got to worry about that at all. Um, I think the. The concerns for for in, in terms of who's going to be relegated um, out of the three teams, you know, the three we and all the pies teams. I thought um, Fulham would struggle the most, but West Ham's definitely definitely yeah. struggling the most. But you know, it's hard to see. It's really hard to see the the, the three teams at the bottom right now um, surviving. I mean, Southampton is just bereft of talent. Um, Everton has lost to Southampton and West Ham recently. Yep, and um, you know, Burnmouth is struggling the way that most kind of championship side struggle, um, you know, post, uh, post promotion. So it's probably a little silly to say that those are for sure the teams that um, aren't going to survive, but it seems, I mean, Wolves can struggle a bit, I guess. Obviously West Ham is in a, is, is, is in a tough spot, but I don't see how Southampton Everton or Burnmouth stay up. Which is a shame. I liked having Southampton in the premier league. That was fun, and and it, I I agree. I I don't I don't see how they possibly survive. Um, regarding West Ham, just real quick, the, there have been some 
some algorithms about that, and and some people have done some some fancy computer math uh, for the rest of the season. And I've seen some predictions uh, based on on statistical analysis and and likely outcomes, things like that, have West Ham finishing either in fifteenth or maybe in thirteenth or twelfth. I would take that in a heartbeat. I think it'd be great. In fact, I sort of thought we were going to finish mid-table, perhaps even lower mid-table, at the beginning of the season. I didn't think we'd be struggling for relegation. I think, thought it would be one of those things where we kind of did well and then sort of fell off toward the end as we were fighting in the, in the, in the Europa Conference League. Um, but I, I, would, I would absolutely take 13th, 14th, 15th at this point if we can manage to do that. Looking at our schedule coming up, though, post-FA Cup at least, I'm, I'm less optimistic. Jordan, you had Newcastle finishing in 6th. Would you like to amend that prediction? Oh, yeah. No, totally. I'm amending <laughs> that prediction. What is um, Where do you think they'll finish? So, uh, my, my, uh, it, I, I'm going to leave it vague. Okay. All right? Just for just for betting purposes only, uh-huh. Newcastle are finishing one, po- one place above Manchester United. Oh, well, that's okay. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, that's 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 why you had that. No, I do. I think I think Newcastle got top four. I don't see you in your reason why not. No, uh, I I almost want to start coming up with a uh, 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 a nickname for this team because uh, I don't know because just for this reason we have allowed eleven goals in league play. Insane, ridiculous statistic. That's that's just insane. I saw that this weekend and I thought, oh my god, it's like a great northern wall. I mean, we, that's what that. Yes, that. Yeah, uh, yes. That's I. I kind of want to start calling this team the Northern Wall because, <laughs> and also because you know, running going up against us, it's like going up against a brick wall, anyways. With like with with the biggins we have at the back end, you know, in the midfield, like Joelington, Dan Byrne, uh, Spin Botman. <laughs> Everyone, everyone, our team's a unit. So um, we we give it to teams, uh, no doubt. Now, I I, I kind of want I, I I'm upset that we did not talk about this last week because you were not feeling well, Adam. I understand that, but I wanted I wanted to talk with Caleb or a, just a little second on the funniest penalty take of all time. <laughs> Do we have to? I mean. I think we do because how it's it's almost like Nitro donned the the black and white again, right? Because that was a Newcastle uh, Mitrovic level take, so not a Fulham level. Mitrovic this was this was during take. the we ate all the pies derby, and and uh, Alexander Mitrovic had a penalty or took a penalty for Fulham and double hit. The ball. So one of the rules about a penalty, for those who don't know, is that you cannot strike the ball twice. You have to just kick it. It's got to go forward. And you cannot kick it again unless it touches another player. So it's got to – I actually think it's got to touch the opposition. So you've got to kick it to – you know, the, the keeper's got to save it or – you know, it's got to be – or it's got to go off the post and then a defender has to hit it before you can hit it again. It's – so – he he sort of stumbles and double hits the ball and they had to go back and, and say, no, this wasn't, this wasn't correct. How, what was that feeling like Caleb 
if I if, if I, I have to ask. Well, it's kind of tough because, like, obviously Mitrovic has been such a remarkably it was a very know, human consistent. moment. For him, yeah. yeah, he's just been so remarkably consistent, and he's such a great you know, goal score around the goal. And I mean, you know, anytime a ball is headed, you just kind of expect him to be there. But the one area of his game that he's, he's really struggled for Serbia and for Fulham is with penalties. And I think, you know, the, the thought process was you will, you are happy to like seed a few missed penalties here or there. If, if Mitrovic taking them helps with his confidence and he scores, you know, 40 goals for you in, in league play, um, which is, you know, what happened in the, in the champion, in the championship last year. So, but I think we've finally gotten to the point where he's missed several now. And so this season, I think Marco Silva has acknowledged that, that there are going to be other folks who take it. And, (laughs) you know, I think that's probably, I think it's probably wise. I mean, for Mitrovic's talent is not pinpoint accuracy with his foot, with the ball. That's not where his, the majority of his goals come from. That's not, that's not his strength. And so, you know, I think it's probably wise to to uh, find someone else to take those penalties. But yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, obviously, you don't ever really want to see you don't ever really want to see that. You'd rather just you know score the goal and sneak away with the point. But that yeah. did not happen. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, one of then uh, one of two one nil defeats that Fulham have taken since then. But let's, I just want to dwell on that. Fulham are, are in sixth place, I think during a season where I think most people would have expected that they struggle. So, um, so yeah, that, that was, but that was, uh, not one of the moments that, uh, Alexander Mitrovic want to look back on fondly. Speaking of not looking back on things fondly, let's talk about somebody that we all like to beat up on, which is Everton. Um, it's not looking great right now. Um, for those at Goodison park, Frank Lampard, Lost El Sakiko 2-0 against West Ham this past weekend per the eternal rules of El Sakiko and because Everton find themselves in 19th place and once again mired in a relegation scrap. Frank Lampard was sacked by the board after just about a year in charge. They had not won in the league since October. Their best result since then was the 1-1 draw against City on New Year's Eve during that time. Um, It's a hodgepodge squad. They have just... No direction. The board uh, are afraid of the fans. We might talk about that in a minute. Um, is there any way out, Jordan? Is there any way out of this for Everton? Or is this is this the time? They did this last year. It was it was it's very similar to last year, and they managed to get out. But now they the guy who got them out of that is now gone. We don't really know who they're going to get. At least I, I I didn't see the news today. Maybe they did, but we don't know who they're going to get to replace him. It just looks like this is different. This looks more serious than last year. Um, you know, it makes the hateful part of my heart so happy <laughs> to see a club. Moment. Speaking of entitled fans, Everton have some of the most entitled fans. Um, online specifically, and yeah. it just makes my it just makes my heart so happy to see their team struggle so much, and just have no direction and just be so listless. And but the one, the one thing that does kind of piss me off is the fact that 
the media narrative around Everton and their dissatisfaction with, you know, the club and the board is that, oh, well, well, you know, they deserve, you know, Everton deserves to, you know, be a competitive top flight team. So, you know, the fans are right in this. Whereas, you know, you know, years under Mike Ashley, it was, oh, you know, it was, oh, you know, you should just be grateful for your owner you have. So I do, I, I do get a little bit twisted by that. Um, I'm just surprised they haven't, you know, opened, you know, gone to the wall and broken the, in case of emergency, Sean Glash, uh, uh, Sean Dyche glass. Um, that could also be the same Allardyce glass. Uh, I would say if they were, you know, if they wanted championship experience, they could have, you know, gotten Mick McCarthy, but he has a job now. So uh, uh, that uh, uh, that option is, you know, uh, is gone. But it's not looking good. It's no. not looking good. Um, I don't necessarily think it's Frank Lampard's fault. Um, it's it, it's. I think Everton put themselves in that situation by not by you know by you know being you know changing managers multiple times but 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 also allowing the managers to make decisions on players yeah. so at the end of the day you're stuck with a squad that doesn't fit well together and doesn't do the job the current manager wants the team to do I, I will say so before this this is the West Ham Everton game this weekend. Beforehand, I was I was very nervous because obviously West Ham have been struggling this season. It's not been great, and I thought, you know, here we go again. On the one hand, on the other hand, I thought, well, at least if we lose, Moyes will be gone, so that'll be nice. Now he's here, and he'll probably get another month, and that 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 may yet condemn us, but we'll we'll see. Um, but once this game got going. I never really felt like Everton were in it. And I know they, they, they had some chances and they created some stuff and Alex Iwobi was his typical self. I, he, he needs to find a new club. Alex Iwobi has been great this season and I, he deserves to be in the Premier League next season. Um, I, credit where credit's due. He's, he's been ter- terrific this season. Um, but the rest of the team has just been awful. James Tarkovsky, this is a guy who I think he went to. I think he, I'm pretty sure he went to the 2018 World Cup, and I think he was. I can't remember if he was in the 20 the Euro 2020 squad, but I mean, this is a guy who was you know in and around England, and he just looks lost. I mean, he looks like he, he in a three man back line. It looks like he can't. He can barely do his job, and. I just they, this team just looks looks bereft of of everything confidence skill Adam. ability it's 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 bad I never felt like West Ham <clears throat> were going to lose this and once once Bowen scored I I sort of felt like well that's it we, we've got this one in the bag you know how like you know previously in the previous podcast we've kind of mentioned that West Ham's problem is that they're toothless up front for the most part yeah. I mean Jared Bowen hasn't you know really kicked on the same as he did last season. Mikel Antonio, for all his work ethic, has his problems in front of goal. And, you know, Samaka has just, you know, hasn't just, you know, fit into the team yet. They make West Ham, uh, Everton makes West Ham 
look like Arsenal yes. in front of goal. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably the biggest I mean, indictment against them. Yeah, no, I was like I was like oh, I was like okay, all this possession I was like, "Oh, you about possessed West Ham. That's cool." Uh they still created more chances, you know, uh yeah. more chances than you in front of goal and they buried they they buried two into the net. I'd take that you know, every day of the week if I'm a, you know, if I'm a West Ham fan. Um I don't like I don't know what this club does because when they drop down, it, when they drop down, because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an if, I think it's a win. I don't see them, you know, you know, fighting to stay in the Premier League. Um, they're going to have to shed a ton of salary. Yeah. Because that club, there's a lot of guys on massive wages that aren't earning their keep. And it, 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 uh, um, if they don't find the right manager, I could feel like this might be like a one or this this might be more than just a one and done kind of thing in the championship. Like uh like you know, like Newcastle or like, you know, teams like Fulham and stuff, you know, teams that were at some point right on that, you know, championship level, Premier League, you know, bottom of the Premier League uh uh edge. I feel like if Everton don't find the right manager going forward and like develop a plan, they might spend a couple years down the down in the championship. I think, I mean, the rumor is right now they're going for one of Sean Dyche or Marco Bielsa, both of whom have experience getting teams up and out of out of the championship. So, I mean, that's that's promising. Um, I'm not sure if, I don't know, because the, the, appointing Marco Bielsa would be an interesting move because on the one hand, I don't know if he keeps you up. On the other hand, Demari Gray who's another Everton player who you could say it's, it's unfortunate because he's been doing well this season. He is a Bielsa player. You want to talk about somebody who's going to bomb up and down the field for you. That's your guy. Uh, you just see, you wind him up and watch him go. Um, but I can't think of any other players in the Everton team who would, who would do that or could do that. I mean, I cannot imagine Seamus Coleman running like that. Uh, gung ho up and down the right side. I mean, he's he's. I think that that's kind of past him. So, um, but uh, Sean Dice is on that I list. Mean, uh, Marco Bielsa is on that list. We'll see. Here, I assume pretty soon. Maybe Seamus Coleman could have done that like two ACL injuries ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't have the the body left for that. Um, so uh, after Lampard got sacked, I mean, we've seen Lampard lose his job. Now multiple times uh, within the last few years in the Premier League, first with Chelsea, now with um, with Everton. Steven Gerrard had a good season with Rangers, but it was jettisoned from Aston Villa also this year um, after after a poor run. The rumor in the immediate aftermath of Lampard sacking was that Wayne Rooney, who has not even gotten a season as the DC United boss yet, um, he was mentioned as one of the favorites for the Everton job. But that's just – I just – I don't understand this seeming obsession with members of this golden generation, quotes, um, of English footballers, i.e., you know, from the early 2000s up until probably – I don't know. They lasted probably until the 2016 – uh, Euros 
Uh, I think the 2018 World Cup was the first time that we didn't really have any of that, any of those members of that golden generation. You know, Gerard, Lampard, Beckham, um, Crouch, Defoe, you know, Carrick, all all these 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 England players who were sort of seen as this this you know this this once in a lifetime you know if if anybody's going to win it for England it's going to be these guys and of course they failed to do that miserably John Terry Rio Ferdinand things like that there seems to be this obsession that they get these top manager manager jobs and they keep failing you know Gary Neville didn't didn't work out for him in Spain um yeah that's I mean, it's the only other one I can think of do, do do we need to come away from this and and start to admit that maybe this isn't the best policy for hiring managers? I mean, it's kind of strange, Caleb. I think from the perspective of an American, because in American sports, you don't really get that too much. You don't get former players immediately turning around in a few years and becoming the head coach of one of the biggest teams in the league. I mean, it, it's interesting because it certainly happens in the U.S., um, particularly in basketball, but. I have this theory, and it's not just mine, but it's one that like I believe in, and and that is that great um, players don't necessarily make great coaches or I managers, and part of that is because you know the best the best players, like not that, obviously they work hard, you know they're incredibly talented, they're incredibly skilled, but they much of the game comes not necessarily naturally to them, but it, it there's they have a kind of a, 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 an instinct for it. It's hard to teach. And so if you look at the greatest coaches in, let's say, NBA history, the greatest coaches in NBA history were not great basketball players. You know, um, Phil Jackson was not a great basketball player. Um, uh, Don Nelson, um, Rick Carlisle, none of these people are great basketball players, but they're fantastic coaches because they know how to coach the superstars. They know how to coach the guy on the end of the bench. And I think it's kind of the same regardless of sport. Is, is If you look at the best who ever do it, they typically aren't the best people to have actually played it. And so I think there's an instinct that says, okay, this person was really good. They're obviously a name. They, they're going to know how to, how to interact with other players. They're going to have respect of some players. You know, all of those things are true. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, in the NBA, we've seen it recently with Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, but there's not a ton of success. And so, you know, I think Everton would be far better served staying away from somebody like Wayne Rooney, who I thought acquitted himself well in last season, the championship in Derby County, you know, I yeah. thought that, um, you know, they, they were going to be relegated. I think they fought, they fought for him. I think he has a potential career, um, as a manager in the premier league, but you don't throw him into this mess in Everton expecting to rescue them. You need someone who has experience who can go in and kind of do yeoman's work and try and get them to pull themselves up. That's how you're going to be successful. And, and, I think the best manager. I mean, look at Roy Hodgson. How great was, uh, you know, or, or or Sir Alex Ferguson? I mean, how great were these were these managers as as players? You know, not particularly good. That's super um, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially in, 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 but then they come out and they're 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 really quality. So yeah, maybe maybe they should seek, uh, you know, managers who are maybe slightly less slightly less talented as players and are slightly more talented as managers. Jurgen Klopp. Not a very good player. Didn't didn't really have necessarily a, a sterling playing career. Jose Mourinho again, not a not a not a super great playing career. Um, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson uh, did play for he did play for Rangers, and, and so he did. He was uh, he he at least played for a big club, but he wasn't 
this Scottish superstar during a time when Scotland was actually quite good at football. Yes, Jordan? Uh, Andre Villas-Boas. He didn't even play. No. Yeah. Um, and, uh, honestly... Maybe not the best example, this... but yes, I, I I see where you're going. Yeah, well, I mean, he was he was successful, uh, I mean, he was successful in Portugal. Um, you're kind of seeing this in the NFL now too. Uh, Mike McDaniel, um, for the the head coach for the Dolphins, never played or played very limited. Eddie, uh, beyond, uh, Eddie Howe. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if he had a super great playing career. I, 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 don't, I don't remember. Um, no. Well, I, 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 did, I have looked up his career. He was a lifelong Bournemouth player. Oh, pretty much. That makes sense. Okay, so maybe like he was good for them, but he wasn't. He wasn't, you know, like a Frank Lampard, Golden Generation level guy. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah, and and I, I so yeah, I mean, Caleb's got a point. You know, you, you you see this in American sports, and I think the same is true in football. I, I I think the the greatest players don't always make the greatest managers. In fact, more often than not, they don't. But you know, you mentioned Wayne Rooney at, at Derby, which I thought was very good. Yes, he took his time at Derby County to develop to become a good manager to learn to go through the paces i think partly because he knew he was going to get that coaching experience ended up as the manager there was 100 percent ready to take darby into league one uh, at the end of last season and i think didn't because he found out he was going to get this opportunity with dc united um to to sort of go there and manage there and and they're making some offseason moods i'm excited to watch dc this season because of wayne rooney you know, Lampard went to Derby originally. Uh, that was his first managerial job. He didn't do too bad, but if actually if you look at the Derby side that he had, he only just about managed to get them into the playoffs. And I'm not saying that means he's a bad manager. What I'm saying is that probably suggests that if he should have really done more with that squad, which I think we all think he should. I mean, he had Mason Mount, Harvey Elliott. Um, um, Tom Lawrence was in there. He had a fantastic season. Um uh, he probably should have done better with them, which probably means he should have stayed and learned more and, and you know, gone through the paces with that squad. Not jump immediately to Chelsea, which is what he did. And to his credit, had a decent first year. But, you know, it obviously went, went bad as, as time went along because he just doesn't have the experience. What is wrong with going to a League One side, a championship team, you know, even non-league, and just going through the paces, learning the stuff on the small scale so that you can then, you know, look at Arteta. How long did he spend at City before uh, under Pep, learning from Pep, studying, understanding? And Arteta was a good player. So he's one of the ones that could buck the trend. But he took the time to learn the trade of managing and coaching, and he didn't just jump straight into it. And... We, we've got to start resisting the urge to do this because Gerard's reputation is, is, is you know, taking a decline. Lampard's reputation is definitely taking a decline. We've got to start resisting the urge as fans, as boards, as owners, as clubs to just immediately throw these guys to the wolves because they, they need time to develop. And I'm sure there are a lot of good English, Scottish, Welsh 
Spanish, whatever, younger coaches who have bided their time, who deserve these spots more than the big name. And we, we've got to learn to, to manage that better. And it's probably on the League Managers Association to try and improve that aspect of it instead of, you know, just doing their work of, of lobbying for managers on, on or lobbying to the league on behalf of managers. I think they maybe need to look at this and say, let's get a system in place. Let's try and bring these guys along and create good coaches instead of just expecting people to perform well. So that was a bit of a rant. But, um, so we'll, we'll obviously hear more about the Everton manager uh, coming up. Um, one quick question, though, just so I can catch my breath and, and, and let, uh, let Jordan kind of take this. Um, if Marco Bielsa becomes the Everton manager, Jordan, does he keep Everton up? No. Now, it will be funny uh, to watch Marco Bielsa run the hamstrings off of uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, <laughs> uh, Seamus Coleman. Yeah. Um, it, like, like uh, I, I feel You know what? That is one guy I feel sorry for. Yeah. I really do. Lifelong Liverpool fan, you know, becomes a captain at Wolves. A great defensive player, of you know, I thought he kind of played himself into the England setup, you know, potentially because he was you know just so smart and capable of the back. Moves back to Liverpool, but to the blue side, and is it, I'm wondering if he is just looking around saying, "I should have never have come here. It was a mistake. I'm a re- like." I, or I wonder if he has like a, like a master plan, like a Scooby Doo villain, like as well, like on the last day when Everton are going down, he's going to peel off like a Liverpool, like you know he's going to peel off his top <laughs> and it's going to be like a Liverpool training shirt underneath, like. <laughs> it's just going to be the troll face. It's <laughs> the, yeah. the internet troll face on this, yeah. Uh, like was like what, what, like was this subterfuge? Was this? Uh, was this subster- a, subterfuge, a subterfuge by Jurgen Klopp at the highest order? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, looking back at the uh, the results, obviously we talked about uh, that very, very important result for Fulham to one over Chelsea first time since 2006 that they won. That was two Thursdays ago. Last Thursday, we had City beating Tottenham 4-2 to two in a game that they needed to, uh, to make up from uh, an earlier canceled game. Um... Liverpool and Chelsea finished nil-nil on Saturday morning. Bournemouth and Forest finished one-one. Forest, they look like they. The Forest finally looked like they've, they've managed to put a squad together that can compete consistently. So very good uh, for them. Leicester two, Brighton nil. Evan Ferguson's late strike for Brighton seals steals a point away from a increasingly desperate Leicester City. Southampton nil, Villa one. Um, not looking very good for Nathan Jones and the Saints. Ollie Watkins scoring the winner there. West Ham 2, Everton 0. Hopefully the first of many. Uh, Palace 0, Newcastle 0. Another goalless draw, but as we mentioned, uh, best defense in the league at the moment. Just 11 goals conceded for Newcastle. Goalless between Leeds and Brentford uh, at Elland Road on Sunday morning. City beat Wolves 3-0 also on Sunday. And then, we, of course, we had the big result between Arsenal and Manchester United. Then Fulham. Uh, put up a, a very, very brave effort, but unfortunately, Harry Kane's strike just before, before halftime ensures Spurs. Sp- yeah, try that again. Kane's strike just before halftime ensures Spurs just about get by uh, the Cottagers. Two defeats after five straight wins in all competitions for them. Uh, 
Um, let's see. Sorry. Forgot to pull up the Premier League table here. Real quick. Uh, table looks like this. Arsenal, as we said, five points clear of City. Uh, and they do have a game in hand. Uh, so Arsenal on 50 points. City on 45 points. Uh, Newcastle uh, in third on 39. United also on 39 points. Uh, they are in fourth place. Tottenham in fifth. Brighton, Fulham, Brentford, Liverpool, and Chelsea just about getting into the uh, the top 10 there. Um, bottom half of the table, Aston Villa in 11th. Uh, Palace in 12th. Nottingham Forest have climbed up to 13th. Leicester City find themselves in 14th. And this is where we get into the teams that are in, in some serious uh, relegation trouble. We have Leicester City, uh, Leeds, West Ham, and Wolves all just above the relegation zone. And Bournemouth, Everton, and Southampton are your bottom three. So we'll take a break from the Premier League this weekend and get into the FA Cup. Uh, fourth round starts on Friday, uh, and we'll we'll implement this into our uh, top shelf picks. But just a quick rundown of the Premier League teams still involved. Uh, on the 27th of January on Friday, City versus Arsenal at 3 p.m. Eastern time. All of these games can be seen on ESPN+. Plus. On Saturday... We have Walsall hosting Leicester City, Acting Stanley hosting Leeds. Those are both at 7.30. 10 a.m., we have Southampton and Blackpool, and then Fulham against Sunderland. Uh, I think uh, we'll, uh, Jordan will certainly be a Fulham fan uh, this weekend, Caleb. 1 p.m., Preston versus Tottenham uh, on Saturday, and then the late game on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, Manchester United versus Reading at Old Trafford. Sunday, 29th of January, uh, 8.30 a.m., kickoff is Brighton versus Liverpool. Uh, chance for Liverpool perhaps to uh, right some wrongs. Remember, Brighton had a very, very famous win against Liverpool not too long ago at the Amex. At 11.30 on Sunday, Wrexham versus Sheffield United. Uh, And on Monday, it's the Hammers in action there at Derby County, 2.45 Eastern time. A couple of the non-Premier League games that we have listed here, which we might talk about in a minute, but... It's Top Shelf Picks time. We are back around to our FA Cup fourth round special. You know, guys know the drill. You've been given some money, and you'll be going to one of the matches uh, listed here this weekend. You can go to any match. You can travel there. Uh, all I need for you to do is to tell me which one you're going to. The only rule, of course, is that you can't. it cannot be your own club. Um, uh, Jordan doesn't have that problem. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I had to. Had to get that in. Um, can't be your own club. Uh, you can pick um, whichever one uh, you want to go to, and we will predict um, the matches that we all pick. The person who picks the best match of the round will get an extra point. Yes, Jordan. Uh, I will say it's you know it's okay. I'm not in the FA Cup. <laughs> it's not like I don't have you know I one know. leg in uh, the League Cup final already. So oh, I guess that's right. If we I'm got good. A League Cup. Yeah, uh, semifinals you, this week. That northern, that, that northern trophy? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> um, you beat Southampton? Is that right? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. And uh, your former love, yes. your first play. United beat United beat, uh, beat Forrest today in the first leg um, of, those, of the semifinal. Um, which... Uh, 
I got a question. Maybe we could discuss this like on another pod uh, okay. when we got more time. Maybe in the summer. How much winning by Newcastle would it take for us to be referred as United? Because I find that quite annoying. I don't think that that will ever happen because you will just be known as Newcastle. True, but I do because find it's it your it's a, it's a one club city, so so you're you're kind of set. When you, when you talk about Newcastle, there's no there's no differentiating. You you are the Newcastle. Although I think there used to be a Newcastle town. Ugh, excuse me, I think there used to be a Newcastle town. I don't know if they still exist. Gateshead is the only other club that I know that's in the area. But um, I think, uh, don't forget, uh, um, I think uh, Blythe maybe. I think they're further north. But I think just in the Newcastle, Greater Newcastle area, I think Gateshead is the only Gateshead's the only other one I can think of, and Newcastle Town if they are still around, but they may they may not be. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's 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 unfortunate. We have the the entire '90s and the Ferguson era to blame for that. So, but I mean, West Ham kind of also has that problem because technically it's West Ham United, but there is also only West Ham. So, um, so based on the the uh, the run of of well, we didn't have it last week. Um. Now we'll just go ahead. So, so based on the run of things, I am am first up to choose where I'm going to go. This is it's a tough one this week. So, actually, I th- I think I I know where I'm going to go. Um, so Preston North End is a, uh, a a good old fashioned English team. They were very very good in the beginning. In fact, I think they they won the first league and cup double back in the uh, the late 19th century when that was the thing. Um, uh, they've had a lot of famous players over the years, and their stadium is called Deepdale. I, I just think that sounds like a fun place to go. So I'm going to go to Preston and Tottenham. Uh, that's going to be my my place to go. I'm going to take the train up to to good old Preston. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely freezing because um, it's this is this is quite far north. This is north of Manchester. This is like almost Scotland. So. Um, so I, I'm going to Preston versus Tottenham uh, this weekend, and I'm going to say I, I think they'll put up a good fight, but I, I think it's just going to end in a Tottenham win. I'm going to say two one to Tottenham, but I'm going to be cheering on Preston the whole way. So that's that's my selection. Caleb, you are next on the list. Where would you go if you had all the money in the world and you could go to an FA Cup game this weekend? I'm going to go with um, Wrexham, Sheffield United. My dad's been watching Welcome Wrexham. It's been kind of my way to get him into, into uh, English football, even if it is non-league. Um, so uh, uh, he has a uh, uh, birthday. I got him a Wrexham uh, beanie for his birthday. So nice. he's, he's, a, he's a fan. So uh, not the first time Wrexham and uh, Sheffield United have played in the FA Cup, by the way. Oh. Uh, hmm. First time was back in 83-84. And the Blades won 5-1, to one, and I'm afraid that the Blades will most likely win yet again. Um, this time, um, ending Wrexham's kind of fairy tale run. Um, but uh, they've, been, they've been very good so far. So I'm going to say a 3-2 victory for the Blades. 
too. This would be a good game. Um, oh, sorry, that's, that's for you. And care to uh, care to predict Preston versus Tottenham as well while we're at it, just because. You know. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty good win for Tottenham. I, I got to see a good bit of Preston last year. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say probably. Uh, let's say let's say two nil to Spurs. Okay, being respectful. Um, I you know, I just had a look. Sheffield United are doing quite well actually in the championship. They're uh, they're just in, in second, which I'm very excited about. I would love to see Sheffield back in the Premier League simply for the fact that they have one of the greatest opening introduction songs uh, to the tune of "You Fill Up My Senses" by John Denver. If you've never heard it, uh, please go and, and look it up. It's it's a lot of fun, and everybody sings it. And they've it's got just, a great manager in Paul Heckenbottom. That's right. It's yeah, great, it's just a great name for a manager. Hecking bottom. Yeah, I'd love to see him in the Premier League. Um, I'd love to see Wrexham win it. I really would. Uh, you know what? Let's 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 keep the fairy tale going. I'll say one nil to Wrexham, just just for the hell of it. Even though I, I think you're right, Caleb. I think they'll lose. So so we got Preston versus with Tottenham. A, with, a we got... Paul, with a Paul Mullen goal, no doubt. How is that, by the way, the welcome to Wrexham? Oh, it's 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 lovely. I mean, is it, it, is it good? Some some of it. So for us, some of it's a little silly because they kind of they really have to to quote unquote dumb it Amer- down for American this. it. Yeah, but um, it's very heartfelt and um, and 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 there's some really some fantastic. Um, football to watch just in terms of what you know how everything looks so yeah it's um it's it's a lot of fun all right jordan uh last but certainly not least it's a very tight uh table with top shelf picks caleb uh is in first i'm in second jordan's in third but there's there's very few points to choose between us so jordan uh, where are you going this weekend and then your your predictions please Oh, man, there's so many choices. The three off the top of my head I could think of is, do I want to go uh, Do I want to go to lovely East Anglia? Do I want to go to uh, Portman Road and watch uh, the Tractor Boys yeah. face, uh, face what until recently was a proper British team, Burnley? Uh, why are they not, why are they not go- proper British anymore? Because they're not managed by a proper British manager. Are oh, they? okay, okay. Sorry, I, I they're, married, they're 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 being managed by some former Belgian center back. Okay. Oh, that's right. I would have called. <laughs> I, I, I would have called that the four four two derby. Um, you know, I, I thought about going down to um, St. Mary's down to Southampton <laughs> and watch the battle of who has the better uh, 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 beachside city. That's a good. Uh, yes, saw that one too. <laughs> Southampton Blackpool. First, uh, you know, Southampton Blackpool, you know, decide once for all who has the better uh, promenade. Um, I, think th- 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 I, 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 I have I, some I, Southern bias, but I think Blackpool wins that one. I'll just say that. I, I think I'm going to stick with my heart. I'm going to go to West London. Uh, I'm going to go to Craven Cottage. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to wear my, uh, my, my home black and white. Uh, I'm going to be, you know, supporting Mitrovic. I'm going to be supporting the Fulham boys uh, as they just slaughter Sunderland and just make <laughs> my Geordie heart just full of joy. 
as I live vicariously <laughs> through Caleb Steen. Um, you're you are welcome. You're welcome. Uh, you're always welcome. Um, have a seat and, uh, in West London at the cottage. So come on by. And I'll be honest with you too. Uh, you know, uh, as Caleb has you know proclaimed earlier in the podcast that Fulham is the club of the hoity-toity. I am definitely intrigued by a, uh, a mid-match cheese board. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if they have a nice, like a, you know, a nice Stilton, you know, uh, a, a nice yeah. proper cheese, you know, maybe some, uh, maybe some high class, you know, uh, English food. Why, why and do you consider it some like, of the best uh, concessions in the Premier League there at Craven Cottage? So you're in for treat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I, nice. I, I definitely am. I definitely am. And then I'm also going to uh, probably commit tax fraud while I'm there as well. You what? know, might as well. Since I'm in since I'm in that part of West London, might as well oh, do okay. it. Oh. See, yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, your predi- I think I know which way this is going to go, but your prediction for Fulham versus Sunderland, uh, please. You know what? Actually, I will say Sunderland, after watching them you know, play against Shrewsbury, I think they will be up for it. However, I think Fulham just has the better team. It's yep. going to be 2-1 Fulham. 2-1. Um, I, I think Tottenham are going to just tear through um, Preston. Uh, Preston North End, which I honestly think probably has one of the most underrated you know, uh, crest and kits of all time. It's it's um, yeah. It's I mean it's hard. It's going to be hard for them to if they ever have to redesign or they feel it's going to be hard to do that. That's it's wonderful. I love it. I love the way that they. I I'm a, I agree. Good shout. Um, I think it's going to be two 0 Tottenham, and then the last match was Wrexham, correct? Wrexham Sheffield United. Oh man, um, seeing how. Sheffield United is the opposite team of Wednesday. So, you know what? Fuck Sheffield. Fuck that entire town. <laughs> Let's go Rex. Wow. Okay. Hey, it's going to be 1 0 Wrexham. Okay. I love it. Uh, I, I, would, I would lose points if y'all are correct, but I would be very happy if y'all are correct. That'd be great. Um, Caleb, and you know what? Oh, go ahead. Yep. Another thing too on the Rexham on the Rexham note, if I if Ryan Reynolds can smile, I think that just makes the world a better place. So let's make Ryan Reynolds smile here, guys. Yeah. There you go. Let's, yeah, there you go. I like um, I, I love I love Fulham against Sunderland. I think we're pissed off after a couple one 0 defeats. We're gonna be a little distracted with Chelsea coming up, but we have got plenty of time to prepare for that. So I give me I, I like a three 0 victory for for uh, the Lily Whites. Any uh, any injury issues come that, that are new? Manor Solomon is, no. is he's, he's he's back, isn't he? Yeah. So Manor Solomon and um, and Harry Wilson have been steadily playing themselves back into okay, good. Um, full health. Anthony Robinson will be back, will uh, uh, has been getting some rest, um, so he he should be there. So you know we should be a fully healthy squad. Okay, that's a good, that's a good shot. I'm gonna go two nil to Fulham because I do think that's it's they, they've got it. Uh, they got it in the bag. Um, so yeah, great, awesome FA Cup, man. It's very, very excited um, for this one. And uh, let's see if I can just make sure and highlight and remember who picked two here. Hey because... guys, guys, guys. Yes. Uh, breaking news, which this is three hours old, so we're a little bit behind on it. <laughs> From Hercules Gomez, 
Marco Bielsa has agreed to coach the Mexican national team. Oh, that's right. I forgot that that was a thing that was going that's on. Wild. Okay, well, so I guess that leaves us with only one one option. Welcome to Everton, Big Sam Maladice. Uh, no, probably Sean Dice at this point. Wow. Okay. Well, that'll be fun. Is he gonna? I guess so. I, I, I guess um, for the next Dosa Zero, he, he's he'll have a uh, he'll, he'll be sitting there on a cooler, looking looking upset that the United States is winning. I'm ready for that image. Now, I I also believe there is some uh, consternation against the move, uh, specifically the national team committee which is like uh, uh, the owners of certain clubs uh, are, are against the move. I, th- I think it's specific. The, the owners of America, Tijuana, Chivas, and Santos. So it's hmm. not official official, but he has, but he has agreed. So on his end, on, on his end, he's signed. If the, if the Mexican national team withdraws the offer, a different story. Interesting. Well, um, I, uh, I, well, I would say I wish him the best of luck, but I, I, well, I do. I, I don't know. I don't mind Mexico when they're playing the United States. Obviously, I'm very much against them, but I, otherwise, I don't. I don't really. I'm, I'm not a big. I'm. I, I like it when Mexico does well. It's nice to have some competition on this side of the, uh, in, in this sphere of, uh, of the footballing planet. Um. So yeah, that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, the way that that conflict plays out too. Um. So yeah, that's all I got. Any anything else? Any rants? Any raves? Any excitement? All right, I got a new. I, I got a new conspiracy theory for you. Okay. Oh, I've got okay. I've got a fun one too, but mine's probably less exciting. You please go with okay. yours. All right. Uh, so obviously, you uh, and for the people not aware who are not a, uh, not fans of American sports, a, I believe a while ago. Um, the Buffalo Bills were playing the Cincinnati Bengals at home in Cincinnati. Um, a player for the Buffalo Bills, a safety, uh, DeMar Hamlin was making a tackle. And, uh, at that moment he had a cardiac event. Yeah. Uh, he was hospitalized for multiple days, put into a medical coma, but ultimately revived and, uh, you know, and released. Um, the, uh, so, Obviously, with Buffalo, uh, they were, you know, there was there, there was a lot of focus about doing it for Demar. Uh, you know, so much, you know, a ton of money was raised for his charity, and he showed up at last at last Sunday's game uh, in Buffalo. However, he was covered up; his face was covered up. He had glasses on. He was wearing a hoodie, and none of the TV none of the TV shots, the live shots for the game showed him in the suite with his face visible. So hmm. the new conspiracy theory is is that DeMar Hamlin died. Oh good lord. And that is that is and that is it's either a clone or somebody uh you know a lookalike pretending to be him so that that person can die later after the season over after the season's over because he died of the COVID-19 vaccine. Oh, okay. I so this is this is where this is coming from. 
Yes. The, okay. That, that's the, well, as you said this, I thought, you know, they had this theory about Avril Lavigne, and I thought that was the most absurd one possible, but this one takes the cake. But now that I know where it's coming from, yes, that at least makes more they, sense they, as to I, why I, it exists. I just felt brain cells leaking out of my ears <laughs> while you were describing this. I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if I'm dumb enough <laughs> to comprehend. Oh, I think you got to be pretty, I mean, that's, that's wild. I mean, kudos to whoever came up with that. No kudos. Uh, And I have one more (laughs) shout out. Okay. Uh, Shout out. uh, Shout out to our former president, Donald J. Trump. Why are we doing that? No, returning to his one liner form because at the funeral, I think it was a funeral of Diamond, of Diamond and Silk, who are. Did they both? Oh, they both are gone? No, just Diamond. Oh, just okay. Diamond away. At the funeral, he was he was brought up to speak. <laughs> he mentioned that he didn't realize the funeral was going to be this long. He thought it was going to be like 15 minutes. It was apparently like a three-hour ordeal. He goes, ugh, which was Why? like 15 minutes, guys. So uh, <laughs> welcome back, our funniest president. Uh Hopefully, uh, hopefully he has some zingers for the 2024 elections coming up. I, I, funniest is not the word I would use, but yes. No, I got, so there was this, um, this, this Reddit post. It's about the only social media that I, that I enjoy frequently these days. And, and even that is, is kind of a slog, but, um, so there was this post that basically in Ask Reddit, and there was somebody who said, "Tell me the craziest conspiracy theory that you believe." Right. So one that that you believe could be true. So one that that is that, that as crazy as possible, but not so crazy that it's unbelievable for you. Just the craziest one that you think actually could be plausible. And there were some typical answers in there, things like that, MK Ultra, whatever, and. Then it kind of devolved into just people, I think, making up conspiracy theories because they thought it was fun, and this was the fun part. So somebody said one that I thought, oh, that's a good one. The lottery, because that's been in the news lately because there's been some pretty big jackpots, their conspiracy theory is that the lottery is just a giant government sting operation to catch time travelers, which I think is brilliant and I think would be a fantastic plot for a movie. So basically, that there's no possible way that that you could actually find the numbers that are going to match up and win you these billions of dollars. So whoever wins it has to be a time traveler because they would have had to have known ahead of time what the numbers are going to be and therefore come back in time to place that ticket and win, which I think is, is, is just fascinating. That's pretty good. Yeah, like that's it. a good one. That's a good one. That's, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, 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 another... Uh, another fun fact about this too is if you think about it potentially the reason why they came back from wherever however far in the future is the fact that uh you know due to like inflation or something the american dollar has been devalued so much that <laughs> yep. it's actually become worthless so you just have to have an insane amount of money to basically function yeah so they come back they take the cash payout because it's a lump sum all at once they set it up in trusts or whatever yeah. and then through the years the inflation on that thing grows or the um not the inflation what's the uh what's 
interest on that grows. Yeah, it appreciates. Yeah, yeah, it appreciates in value, so they they can live a little bit more comfortably in the future. Yeah. So and and so basically, this is a, a government sting operation to catch people who can time travel because you know for whatever reason that's that's illegal or you're not supposed to be doing that or whatever. So I can imagine. I just imagine this movie where somebody <clears throat> manages to win the lottery for real. You know, buys their big lottery dream home, and when they arrive, there's an FBI agent, and they have to escape. And somebody travels back in time to save them and to try and explain this whole thing. I just, I think it makes it makes for a great movie. You, okay, it, I, 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 I'm casting the lead. <laughs> um, he's he's been in movies before. What's the okay? I would hope. I, I, I remember him mostly from Third Rock on the Sun because he was the kid. Joseph oh, his name. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the guy that comes from the future to save the current lottery winner. That's good. I don't know. He was he was in Looper. I think we got to give it to somebody. I oh think yes, try. That's why. That's well. I mean, he's also an Inception too. So oh, I right. Yeah, like we can't have that. He has he has two movies in this genre, so he could kind of make it work. I feel like you kind of have to have someone who, you know, understands the premise, so they don't just kind of Nick Cage it. I could see um, Ed Helms being a good main character for that, like just sort of oh, finding well, himself into the. He, he wins. Oh, he yeah. He, there's the fun. winner. Yeah, and he's trying to figure out how to how, to, how to get out of the situation. Oh. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's got legs. I like it. it's a good it's a good story. But yeah, I just maybe thought we, maybe we need to workshop this, and we're <laughs> we're missing our calling here. That's what chat. Let's have Chat GPT write us a uh, screenplay, and we'll make a billion dollars. Oh God, Ugh. I I this is how I can tell I'm getting old. I keep seeing stories about Chat GPT, and I have no idea what it is. Just an AI that's really it's based. It's a really powerful AI, but the thing that's kind of interesting about it is that it's learned basically from like human speech and human writings, and so it's just very. It does a really good job of like. It does a very good job of of mimicking human writings and thoughts and stuff like that, and so hmm. um, it's just it's really effective at like arguments and persuasive essays and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of fundamentally changed how. Um, fundamentally changed how uh like um schools and things like that are, are gonna have to also deal with like take home essays and stuff like that because especially high schools because this chatbot is as good or better than high school students are writing persuasive essays so yeah it sounds like something that we need uh, based on other movies i've watched this sounds like something one of those things that we need to, we need to stop it right now before it gets a little out of control oh, no, it's, this is the, I, this is the tip of the iceberg i mean we're oh gonna God. see huge I, I have a listen. I, I, I have a listen to a, a podcast that kind of talk about this as a topic. Uh, what 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 what's funny is that they predict, like you know, as as AIs like this develop, especially like AIs that like you know can create art, because they're learning off um, original resources, which is you know human art, human speech, you know human you know conversations. Eventually, like the, the the generations of AIs beyond that are just going to be learning off the original AIs. So, at some point, the, the the product that's being produced will eventually just become shittier and shittier <laughs> because 
there will be less ideas for them to learn from. This is much deeper into the weeds than I had, had wanted to go on this topic. Yeah. Maybe we can come up with an AI to uh, to predict um, uh, Premier League results. Chad and, and use that. did not like to predict Premier League results, though. I, I tried. Did you try that? I said no. All right. Well, there goes that. That's its next challenge. We'll ask it to do that. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, for joining us this week and, and listening. Again, sorry about last week. Um, next week is kind of up in the air. Uh, I may be here. I may, I, I may not. I'll talk to Caleb and Jordan after that. But if we don't see you next week, uh, just enjoy the season. Enjoy the football. Um, it's It's been great. Uh, and every week I talk about it, I get more and more excited about it. So anyways, uh, Jordan, if you please, we'll do the honors. Let's go eat some pies, guys. Let's go eat some pies. Everybody enjoy, and we will see you uh, next week. Happy FA Cup.